Welcome to Wellness Rebranded. We know there's so much conflicting health and fitness advice out there, and you're tired of the senseless and toxic diet culture noise. You're ready to tune into your body, feel empowered around food, and focus on your true health and well-being. Welcome to the Wellness Rebranded podcast. We're the healing trio of your health and wellness anti-diet dreams. I'm Tara, personal trainer. I'm Elizabeth, registered dietitian and certified intuitive eating counselor. And I'm Maura, licensed clinical social worker. Together, we're pushing back on diet culture, hustle culture, and toxic positivity to help you practice genuine health-promoting self-care. So grab your water bottle, forget the rules, and let's start rebranding your wellness journey. Welcome back to another episode of Wellness Rebranded. I'm Tara, and I'm here with Elizabeth, and we have some really big news today. Mora has stepped away from the podcast for personal reasons, but we're super excited to have Maria Winters with us. Maria is a licensed professional counselor, and she has graciously agreed to step in and bless us with her knowledge. So we are super excited to have her here. Yes, welcome. And I just want to say we were very, very sad when Mora had to step away. However, For sure. and is probably a better, we were very sad. And you were the first person that we thought of that we wanted to invite in to join us on the podcast True. because we have both been with you in professional and social settings and know that you have so much to offer. So we're super excited to get to know you, Maria. Thank you so much. And I feel honored, as I told you, to be the chosen (laughs) the chosen one. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So do you want to start out by telling us a little bit about yourself? I'm Maria Winters. I'm a licensed clinical professional counselor or licensed mental health therapist. I have been practicing for over 20 years. For the past 11 years, I've been working in the emergency room of a local hospital, helping with any emergencies that had related to mental health. I teach psychology in college, which is super fun and keeps me updated with information and fun stuff. And I also have my own practice, which is called the Coaching Therapist LLC, which focuses on providing talks and workshops and training and education in different topics related to mental health and emotional well-being. That's what I do now. Sounds like you're pretty busy. Yeah, right. (laughs) And that without counting the family and the dog and, you know, all that stuff right. that we all do. To yes. So business, yeah. we were chatting before we came in here today that Tara and I, while we know you, we don't actually know a lot about your story and how you came to be in the U.S. doing what you do. So maybe how do you, you know I'm not from the U.S.? <laughs> you hear an accent? Just a little bit. Right. And don't worry, it's sexy. It's sexy. But that's good. And I've seen you dance. Yes, I love dancing. <laughs> Another dead giveaway. <laughs> so I was born in Venezuela, in South America. And at the age of 23, I thought, I want to experience what it would be to live somewhere else. So London was my first option, believe it or not. But then I don't know what happened that I applied to college here and then it ended up being the U.S. So I came from a 75 all year round weather, tropical weather to Boston, Massachusetts. Ew. Yeah. It's cold up there. I know. I didn't know. And I knew. How can any human being live here? But they do. So uh, I completed my college degree at Northeastern University in Boston. A place that doesn't close, even if if the snow is all the way to your knees, you go to school. Wow. Not like here. Do you speak English before you came? 
Well, I thought I did, but then I came here and I'm like, I don't think I speak it that well because I would go to college classes and all I could hear was the professor took and I'm like, okay, I'm understanding maybe 10%. I would argue that Elizabeth and I might have a hard time understanding Bostonites as well. Well, That thick accent. Right. I grew up around there, so Uh, I'd have to exempt myself from that, but... So it got better. I mean, I still say that I don't speak English still. I pretend and I speak English, <laughs> but Spanish will be what I speak. And sometimes not even because my Spanish friends is like, you're losing your Spanish. So I don't know what I speak anymore. <laughs> so completed college and then moved down here and completed my master's in Washington, D.C., a master's in counseling psychology. And then I got married to somebody from P.A., who doesn't speak Spanish that much. So maybe my English got better there because you can't fight in two languages. (laughs) (laughs) And that right there is why we love Maria. (laughs) But wait, I have a question. Can you back up? So Uh when you got to college and you only understood 10%, how did you navigate that? Because college is hard when you speak the language. So I have a story. I don't know how I navigated. I mean, I did it. I don't know how. But I always tell my kids this story. One of my first classes, we took a test, and when the test come back, the professor says, so everyone except one student got question three correct. And it was a question about, I don't even know what it was about, but he says only one person got it wrong. He gives the test back, and who was that person who got it wrong? Me. That's like a terrible thing for a teacher to say. He did. And I was like, okay, it was me. And obviously, it wasn't lack of knowledge. I didn't understand the question. So I'd eeny, meeny, miny, moe and answer the multiple choice question. And I was the only one who got it wrong. So there's that. Oh, my gosh. My heart is hurting for you because that sounds terrible. So I only imagine how many things I missed because of the language. But now that I think back, it's like I should have said something, you know, like this is not my first language, maybe. Right. Help me here. Now we have accommodations for that. Right. This In was, school. I don't know, over 20 years ago. So, yeah. So I don't know how I did it. And what made you want to study psychology? I knew since I was little. It was either psychology or dancing. Mm. And then my very nice. supportive dad, and I'm being a little sarcastic here, is like, if you decide to be a dancer, what are you going to do when you're 45? <laughs> and I'm like, dance? <laughs> right. Dancing right now very well. So... I was like, okay, I'll go with psychology. And I did. But I always knew that I love talking to people and everything that had to do with the brain and behavior and emotions. So um, I love that dancing has already come up twice. Twice. You <laughs> <laughs> yeah. can never have enough dancing. No, you cannot. <laughs> What's your favorite type of music to dance to? Latin music. I knew you were gonna say like that. what? Like salsa, bachata, like merengue? Bachata, merengue. Yeah, you play that. Doesn't matter. I mean, you know, at the grocery store and... My body uncontrollably reacts to it. Again, is the shoulders, is something has to happen there, yes. But I can dance to every, I mean, just play music. It could be country music, full I care, and I will be dancing. Just play it. I'm laughing because my husband the other day was like looking through Instagram and there was a meme or something that said like, oh, all Latin women, when this song comes on and they all start dancing like real chill, even if they're like doing the dishes or whatever. And I was there like chopping up some veggies for dinner and he puts on like suavemente, besame. And I was there like, and he was filming me. So, of course, it like was even worse, but... You know, Latin inside. 
you know what? For some people, it might be something different, but for me, dancing and music have been part of my healing package. Totally. Like it's it's something that I use when I'm nervous, when I'm happy, when I'm sad. Music is important to me. And in my family, there was a lot of music. Mm. My mom was a singer. My brother sings. There was always musical instrument at home. So it was like my to-go even now to express myself and my emotions in a healthy way. So it's not only fun, but it has been helpful. We could do a whole episode on like music and mental health. Yeah, for sure. I'm laughing inside because I took probably 12 to 14 years of dance lessons as a kid. And I am here to tell you that I have two left feet and you would die laughing if you saw me dancing. We should (laughs) definitely go dancing then. We'll fix it. We'll fix it. Okay. I'm game. So, Maria, you mentioned earlier that you work in the emergency room. I'm curious about that and how you got into that and how that connects with your private practice. I started that about 11 years ago. I can't remember how I started, but it caught my attention. I was looking for a job because at that time I was working at a juvenile detention home in Virginia. Oh, well. Since I met my current husband, I moved up here. So I needed a job around here. So I saw that job. And I said, that would be really interesting. I've never worked in a hospital. So I started that. And that really changed how I practiced. I guess it gave me perspective on when mental health is not well taken care of, what could happen and spark that idea of how can I help others to really take care of their mental health to prevent Rather than react when something already happened to prevent to get to a point like this. So I did private practice for a while, individual therapy, and then I started doing group therapy and I saw that I could have a bigger impact with groups. And then I thought, how about just founding a practice that will focus on training and education, not necessarily with the individuals that are already struggling or going through a difficulty with their mental health, but people around them on how to support them. So I became really passionate about talking uh, on suicide prevention, mental health crisis, what to do during a crisis, and the importance of asking for help, not only professional help, but any help when we're struggling. My saying always says that I dream with a world filled with people where we ask each other more about how we're feeling and really opening conversations about our mental health and emotional health rather than many other things that we talk about on a regular basis that are probably less impactful. I think that's so interesting because culturally we ask like, hey, how are you? All the time. But if you actually give a real answer, everybody looks at you like, what? Mm -hmm. Listen, I just meant to be like, hey, I mean, I don't actually care. Like It's a platitude, really, right? It is. People say, hi, how are you? But they're not really asking. Yeah. And I've heard you speak on that several times, the importance of really genuinely asking someone how they're doing and listening and being there. I think we live in a culture that still has a lot of stigma related to mental health and Many people feel that talking about their struggles make them too vulnerable or weak or we try to hide if we're struggling or when we don't try to hide it and we talk to somebody else, maybe the response is not supportive. So that makes you shut down sometimes. So that's why I really dream with that where we can just talk about it because everyone struggles with their emotions at some point, either with their emotions, their behavior, or their thoughts at some point. Who are the only people that don't struggle with mental health? 
dead painting. <laughs> she said that in a workshop I went to hers recently, and I actually thought it was so profound I went home and told my family. <laughs> but to pick up on the thread of what you said a minute ago, I do think, unfortunately, there's still a lot of stigma around mental health. Although, fortunately, I feel like that's changing. We've come a long way. Yeah. yeah. But we have a long way to go. Agreed. Yeah. But I think also the flip side of that is people don't know how to respond to genuine emotion. And that's where I feel I can come in and help. <laughs> so that's what I focus on offering workshops for teachers, for parents, for I want to do some with teenagers. What to do when somebody comes to you and shares something or even better, how to start the conversation, even, even if the person is not sharing it with you, because many times we don't go voluntarily and share something with somebody else. We have to be asked. So what are some of your favorite topics to talk about regarding mental health? Give us a preview of what we can expect in future. Well, I love talking about self-care. I think it's a priority and something that we don't do as often as we should, maybe because of different concepts or definitions of what we have. Self-care, self-esteem, I think it's big. When we work on our self-esteem and our self-worth, that really changes sometimes the way we behave and the decisions we make. So well-being as a holistic approach is something that I think it's important and to pay attention to how we think, how we feel. Tuning in like this podcast does beautifully is tuning in with your body, including your emotions, mm -hmm. learning how to ask for what you need, having those conversations to pay attention for what you need. I think it's key because we live with ourselves 24-7, so we might as well start listening I would imagine that you have opinions on not being afraid of emotions. I think culturally we tend to, I don't know if afraid is the right word, but we tend to shy, oh, yes. if nothing else, uncomfortable with big emotions. But that's probably not helpful, right? Right. And we have sometimes we label emotions are positive or negative, mm. and there's really no negative emotion. That's such a good point. It's just right? an emotion. There's, it's just an emotion, exactly, because sometimes I'm going to be happy. Sometimes I'm going to be really sad. Sometimes I'm going to be angry. And those are emotions too. The emotion is never a problem. It's maybe the behavior or your reaction when you're feeling that emotion. Because if you feel anger and you, I don't know, hurt people or slam doors, then that's the issue, not the emotion, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like as a mother of a toddler, I'm getting like a crash course in that. <laughs> in emotion. In emotions. Well, unfiltered. Reaction. <laughs> And that's why we want to support the emotion and say, hey, I see that you are feeling frustrated or, you know, but let's learn ways to deal with that emotion in ways that are helpful and healthy for you and for others. Yeah, I'm right? thinking about how often you hear people apologizing for their emotions. Oh, yeah. I'm like the queen of if I start crying, I'm going to apologize. Yeah. Which I don't cry often, so don't worry. But And crying is good for you. There's a reason why it's there. Right? So, I'm a major weeper. Since I had a kid, all I do is cry. Really? Yeah, it's so bizarre because before, my whole life cried maybe like five times. Mm -hmm. And now it's like I had a kid cry all the time. So going back to topics, another great topic, for example, related to emotional well-being is emotional regulation. Mm -hmm. We think about it just with kids, but there are several adults out there that haven't had the opportunity to really learn how to regulate their emotions. So that can definitely impact the way you live your life and your overall wellness. So, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, right? Because I think that comes up a lot 
in the line of work that I do in healing people's relationships mm-hmm. with food and body. And sometimes dieting is a either a coping mechanism or a substitute to avoid feeling what you're actually feeling. Yeah. It's a way of coping, right? With your emotions, maybe not in the most productive way for you, but mm-hmm. yes. Absolutely. I see a lot of like shame in the gym. People feel like they have to do this because they're embarrassed or it's shameful the way that they've treated their body and they feel like they have to like work it off, which of course, as we know, is crazy and not at all true. But the big emotions come out in that first initial consultation with me for sure. Yeah. So imagine if we actually work on that, Mm -hmm. on getting to know ourselves emotionally. How do I feel? How does it look like in my body? Or how does it feel like in my body when I have certain emotion? And what do I do with that emotion? It would be beautiful, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I love hearing you talk about on the topic of how to listen. I think that's one of my favorite ones I've heard you talk about. Yes, that's another topic that I love. I think we have a lot to learn in that area. Because sometimes instead of supporting other people or ourselves, we try to fix it. And we want to come up with a solution because we're uncomfortable with the emotion. Going back totally. to what you were saying at yep. the beginning, it's like, how are you doing? You know what? I'm doing terribly. I've been feeling like crap for the past week. And you're like, okay, have you tried yeah. sleeping better? Have you tried over-the-counter, blah, blah, blah? Have you tried? We just like steamroll over it. So, And we assume that the other human being is not capable of fixing their own problems. So we have to fix it for them. Not really. Mm-hmm. Talk to other people assuming that they're very smart and they know themselves better than maybe you know them. But it's easier to fix, especially with parents and kids. You when you so- word it like that, it sounds so ridiculous. It's like, oh, I know your body and emotions better than you do. Huh? Like what? Or thinking that what works but for we you all do that. Work for yeah. anyone. And it, no, not necessarily. But we need to give each other the space to just put the emotion out there and being able to give it, to honor the emotion without having to do anything without it. Many people just want to know that their emotion is valid and that somebody else can take it for a few minutes and send it back and said, I hear you. That makes so much sense. That sucks. Are you familiar with Lisa Demore? Nothing. She's a school psychologist, I believe, and an author, and she's written a lot of parenting books. And one of them, who oh, I'm probably going to butcher the book uh, or the title of the book, it's might be called Brave Girls or Raising Girls. But anyway, it applies to, in my opinion, all kids, and I will find the correct name of it and make sure it's in the show notes. But she calls it taking out the emotional trash. That sometimes when your teenagers in particular come home at the end of the day and they want to blah, 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 tell you all the things that went wrong and the teacher that did this and the thing that did that and the kid that did this. And she's like, as parents, we're like all feeling like we have to start jumping in and fixing it and solving it. And she said, really, they're just trying to take out the emotional trash. They want to give it all to you. And then go off about their afternoon and we're left trying to figure out from it what to do with it. I just always think of that. Yeah. And if you think about it, no teenager is going to do that unless they feel safe. Right. So usually they're going to do it with the grown up that they feel safe and the grown up that is going to be able to contain it for them. Mm -hmm. So that's a benefit, I guess, that shows that their relationship is going somewhere yeah, good. that's a good point. Okay, so we're going to wrap up on a fun note. But before we do, since the topic turned to this, can you share one or two tips for people out there? How do you hold space? Listening. 
Sometimes silence can speak more than words, so you can hold space with somebody to put in the spotlight on that person for a few minutes. Just forget about yourself for a few seconds and try to understand the world from the other person's perspective. Um, so that would be one. And the other one, I mean, just being kind and knowing that we all have in common emotions. You don't have to connect to another person on an event because maybe you've never gone through divorce or the death of a loved one. But you can connect on the emotion. We have all felt sad at some point, angry, happy, jealous, whatever that is. Connect on the emotion, not necessarily on the event. I love that. I love that, too. Thank you. Thank you. So I think Tara has a few fun questions to wrap it up. <laughs> okay. So I love to always ask people a couple of questions when I'm getting to know them. Favorite food? Latin food, especially arepas from Venezuela. Arepas? I'm yes. going to try it for I'm sure. I'm make them for you. Oh, oh yes. Oh, even better. Yeah, I'm so I'm, I'm, I'm inviting myself, you myself in on it. <laughs> 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 I didn't say you. I said her. <laughs> I noticed. I invited myself anyway. Um, favorite book? Well, this is the top secret. I'm not a big book reader, believe it or not. Yes, yes, I know. So you could go favorite movie. Yeah, favorite movie works too. Okay, just the, I don't know if it's my favorite. The first one coming into mine is Forrest Gump. Oh, my husband loves that movie. <laughs> that is mine. <laughs> and then for the book is how, there's one that I can't remember the title now, is how to talk so kids can listen. Is oh, yeah, like yeah. That. And it was really helpful being the mom of a teenager. So talking about listening. Ooh, that's I'll, a good I'll, tip. I'll put on the notes too. Awesome. Because We can link that. Out. Yeah. A favorite place you've ever been? In terms of what? Like, like, weather, in, like For like vacation. Let's say Madrid. Let's bring Spain in. Yes, love Spain. Awesome. That sounds awesome. One thing on your bucket list. A nudist beach. Oh, wow. I did not see that yeah, ending there. I've never been to one. And I say, why not? I, you have to be one somewhere else. So nobody I know is there. But yeah. Okay. Believe it or not, I actually have a, a very funny story about a nudist beach. But I'm going to save that for another oh, episode. Have you ever been to one? <laughs> yeah. Okay. But not on, on purpose. I've okay. only been to a topless one on purpose. And oh. I did take my top off. And then a vendor came over and just gave me a whole speech right to my boobs. And I put it back on. And so you see, I've never been to either or, so that's on my bucket list. Wow. Yes. All right. That feels like a great place to end on day one. All right. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Please welcome Maria. We are thrilled to have her here. In case you want to connect with us, you can find me on Instagram at Tara DeLeon Fitness. You can find Elizabeth on Instagram or Facebook at Elizabeth Harris Nutrition or come join me in my health and healing with intuitive eating community on yes. Facebook. And you can find me on Instagram, coaching underscore therapist, or on Facebook, MW Coaching Therapy. Love it. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Wellness Rebranded. If you found this helpful, please take a moment and leave us a review and share it with your friends. If you'd like to learn more about Mora, you can find her at her website, moratani.com. If you want to connect with me, find me on Instagram at Tara Deleon Fitness. To connect with Elizabeth, visit her at www.elizabethharrisnutrition.com. And while you're there, follow the link to join her health and healing with intuitive eating community on Facebook. 